Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the second message in our summer series. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. How many of you guys were here last week? A few people? We talked um, all about legacy, and I said that we're starting this series that like isn't really a series. We're kind of just going where the Lord leads every single week. And, and last week, we were in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, I felt that we're not quite done in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We talked about legacy, but legacy probably needs more than one week. And so last week, Paul was speaking to Timothy. You guys remember this? He's, he's still speaking to Timothy. He says, hey, last week, remember, you come from a long legacy of faith. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, he says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. I need you, because we're, we're waking up this morning. Look to the person next to you say, something's in you. You don't got to be shy about it next time, don't worry. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Come on, see, I... The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Kind of a switch up though, verse eight. says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Y'all barely like the first part. You're not gonna like this part. He says, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I want to call our message today, Fan the Flame. Fan the Flame. Hey, can we put our hands together for the Lord? You guys can find your seats today. That's good. Come on, let's give it up for Shiloh today on the keys. Let's go. Anyone excited to be here this morning? Hey, if you uh, are new are visiting. My name is Harrison, and I just have the honor uh, of leading this church with my wife, Christy. And yeah, we just love you guys all. And um, man, excited for today. Uh, as I said, <laughs> devil was attacking the sleep last night, um, using my kids as the medium. Um, <laughs> so if my voice gives out, my spirit will get me through this. Uh, so last week, I talked all about leaving behind a legacy, how to leave behind a legacy. Now, I really want to hear you. How many guys were here last week and heard the message? Now, I don't, I don't often say this, but like, if you missed the message, this is a message you need to go back and watch. I just, I think it's, it's one of the most impactful things that's going to come out of this house. And I think it's one of the reasons that we, we kind of want to continue it today. But if you missed last week, go check it out because I think that God wants to start building something in not just my life, not just some of our lives, but all of our lives. And so if you are not where you want to be today, and even more so if the future you doesn't look like he's going to come into the way that you want him to come and look like, go back and watch last week. I don't even know if that sentence made sense, but watch last week. So one of the things that we said last week was this. We said dead faith dies with you. Dead faith dies with you. 
active and living faith is passed down from generation to generation, but dead faith dies with you. And so what I want to do, because last week I said faith has to be fought for. You guys remember that? We have to fight for our faith. And so today I want to get a little more practical. Like what does it look like to actually have a living and active faith? And so what I want to do today is I kind of want to equip us as a church in order that our faith can be raised to life. Now, for some of us, it's a resurrection message because like, our faith is dead and like, it needs to be brought back to life. And for some of us, it's just taking the next step because I just believe Scripture says that God wants to take us from glory to glory. And so maybe you've experienced some good things in your life, but what if God had something more? I want to speak to someone that's in, the, in kind of like maybe the back nine of their life and you're beginning to believe maybe my, my, my best days are behind me. I want to encourage you. In the kingdom of God, there's no retirement. Retirement is called entering into his gates. Like that's when your story ends. Until then, as long as we have breath in our lungs, God has something for us. So how do we have a living faith? That's what I want to talk about today. Now, one of the things that we say at our church, we say that every member needs to be a minister. That's, that's our belief in the church. Everyone needs to do something. You have a part to play. And so one of the things I don't often say in growth track, but I'll say it to you guys today. If you're not ministering, you're not growing. I know I'm like three minutes in and I'm getting right into it. I, I don't got time today. If you are not ministering, you're not growing. And so you may think to yourself, I'm in an off season right now, pastor. It's July. I'm 67. The moment we stop ministering is the moment we stop growing and our faith begins to fade. And one of the things that I believe that God wants us to do in every generation, in every season of our life, is begin to build something that can be passed on to someone. And so what we say in our church is we don't have members, we have ministers. Because everyone has a part to play here. And what I want you to understand, especially like, because I know for some people, you're like, I really like coming to church. Like, I think it's great to just sit and to soak and to let the team on the stage minister and the people give me the coffee and I just love to be ministered to. I wanna tell you something. We have an amazing church. And so I think like we minister to people like first class, come on somebody. But in the game is so much better. I did this thing three weeks ago or two weeks, three weeks ago-ish. Um, Christy and Malachi, because he was just born, they stayed at home, and so I took the kids uh, to church. And, you know, I said to myself, um, today, I'm just going to attend the church. I'm not going to do anything. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to come to our huddle at 930. I'm just going to come and attend the church, bring my kids in, check them in, sit. I'm just going to enjoy. Um, it took me about five minutes to realize this kind of sucks. <laughs> not that our church sucks but I've been in the game before. And once I've been in the game, the sidelines just aren't that fun. And so what I wanna encourage you, especially if you were on that sideline right now, is time to get in the game. You're missing something. And so I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and as we work and as we come together as a body of believers, we can do and experience amazing things. And so that power of the Holy Spirit in biblical language, we kind of call him like the, the, the flame, right? The Holy Spirit is the fire 
that ignites and kind of like takes things from ordinary to extraordinary. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about how do we fan the flame? How do we take that spark and turn it into a fire? You guys ready to go today? So I'm going to look at verse 6 because there's a whole lot in here. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Paul, and I'll give you some context. Paul is like a spiritual father to Timothy. And if you're new to church, you're like, what is a spiritual father? Pretty simple. Like, Paul wasn't actually his dad. But in the faith, and I I didn't get into this last week, but Paul, or or Timothy, um, he didn't necessarily have a father figure that was in the faith. Timothy's father was a Gentile, meaning he wasn't a believer. And so Paul kind of takes this role as spiritual father. And I didn't say it last week, but I kind of want to say it this week. Some of you guys in this church, you are entering into the season of spiritual father. And there are spiritual orphans that didn't necessarily have a father figure to look up to. And much like Paul, you are going to play that role in someone's life as a spiritual father. And so Paul is is Timothy's spiritual father. And so he says to him, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, one of the roles that Paul plays in Timothy's life, because Timothy is this young leader. Timothy pastors a church at this time. And so what we can kind of gather from the words that Paul speaks to Timothy is that at times, Timothy struggles with confidence. He struggles to see that which Paul sees in him. And so one of the roles of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother or even a spiritual leader is that we are to see in others what they can't see in themselves. And so Paul here is reminding him, hey, you need to fan into flame the gift that is in you. Now, here's where I want to start today, those those, those simple words, the gift that is in you, which is in you. I have an affirmation today for every single person in this place. There's something in you. I believe far too many times we have the mindset that says, I don't have anything to offer. We can look at other people sometimes and be like, well, they have something. But I'm not sure I have anything in me. And I just want to say, I believe that that is a lie from the pits of hell, to try and neuter and discourage the believers, to say we don't have anything in us, or even more, for those of us who believe, well, someone else has more than I have to offer, and so I don't have anything to give. I'm here to tell us today simply this, we all have something. We all have something. And this is the starting place for getting from the sidelines into the game. We all have something. Now, I need to teach for a moment because in the context of, of 2 Timothy chapter 1, the gifts that Paul are talking about are, are what are called spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts in a moment, but I want us to understand that as believers, we all have two things. Number one, all believers have natural gifts. These are just things that you're born with. Natural, like just I didn't do anything, I just was born with it. Maybe, and, and Maybe I did work on it to get better, I took lessons, whatever it is. We all have natural gifts. And natural gifts and natural abilities are different than spiritual gifts. And I'll talk about spiritual gifts in a moment, but it's also a great time for me to say that 
Uh, as much as I'm going to go into spiritual gifts, if you want to go even deeper, come to Growth Track today. It's week three, and we talk all about, you guessed it, spiritual gifts. Remember I told you this series where it's going to follow the Holy Spirit, see where he goes? Uh, I'm just not so organized, but the Holy Spirit is. It's week three today in Growth Track, and so I encourage you to come check that out. But <clears throat> I want to talk about natural gifts for a second. Because a natural gift, the issue many times I think is, especially in church, is we have this idea that the gifts and abilities that I have are simply for me. Far too many of us have this idea, like, I can, I can do all of these things, whether it's like art or, or music or business, but it's like, you know what, that's just for me. I don't think that's for the church. But I want us to understand, I believe that Natural gifts, although they are different than spiritual gifts, can still be used to build the church. All of us have natural gifts, and when we submit them to God, he does more with them than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. Like, my natural gifts that the Lord has given me are pretty obvious. Good looks. Charisma. I'm just joking. Um, I think one of the gifts that the Lord has given me is the gift of humor. And if you've ever read the Bible before, you will not see humor in the list of spiritual gifts. But I believe that humor is a natural gift. And when I use it for natural things, it doesn't always go well. If you want to see me at my funniest, I will tear your life apart. That's when I'm like, that's when I'm going. <laughs> but when it's submitted to the Lord and to his purposes, it can actually be a great tool for his kingdom in order to actually diffuse truth and sometimes hard truth, but be able to say something funny in the midst. It's a natural gift submitted to God. You guys see what I'm saying? And so all of us have natural gifts, but too often we don't think they have a place in church. I just want to say every person in this place, your natural gift, it has a place in church. One of my hopes and my dreams is that kingdom church can be a place where people can begin to use that thing that God has put in you that maybe you never had any idea or sense could be used in church. I just have this dream, like what if Kingdom Church became the place where all of the believers used that thing that was in them, not just for their glory, but for God's glory. One of the cool things that happened when we built this church, um, more so the process leading up to it, I should say, like finding and securing this place, um, is that I was able to witness firsthand what it looks like when someone uses their natural gifts for the kingdom of God. And so um, I'll tell you kind of how we secured this building uh, in short. There's a dude, his name is Andrell. Andrell in the place today, he's sitting over there. Um, and Andrell is in commercial real estate and, and business ventures, all of that stuff. And he's good at it. Now, once again, if you read scripture, you will not find commercial real estate uh, in the spiritual gifts test. But his ability to negotiate and understand certain things that I don't understand made getting this church building really easy. Andrell did all the emails, did all the negotiations. I just said yes or no. It was amazing. And what's happened, because he was willing to use a natural gift for the kingdom, is that we have seen in 10 months hundreds of people come through this place, and many of which now call it home, and some of which have found hope, healing, and life, because someone was willing to use their natural gifts in order to build God's kingdom. 
Come on, look at the person next to you say, you have something. We all have something. And here's what I want us to understand. Natural gifts, come back, come back. Natural gifts can produce spiritual fruit. But here's the preface, when they're submitted to God. Natural gifts can produce spiritual fruit. Can I, can I tell one more story? Any of you guys excited for a new merch drop at the church? Okay, if you don't know this, we, we, we sell merchandise uh, at the back. And we haven't done a, a merch drop in a little while. Um, but I'm super excited uh, because we're working on some stuff right now. That I'm going to call it right now the fall line. Because it's going to be ready in the fall for <laughs> pre-sale. Um, and I know there's a few religious folks in the place. And you say, Pastor, didn't Jesus flip tables when they were selling in the temple courts? Yeah, he did. But this is not apples to apples. Let me explain why we do church merchandise. Number one. Iona right now is developing the church merchandise. She isn't here right now, so you can give her a big shout. Um, but she has gifts and abilities that she wants to submit to the Lord and see what he can do from it. And my heart, because everyone's always like, well, what do you want, pastor? And I'm like, I want it to look cool. They're like, what does that mean? But my heart behind it is this. Because like, when we first started doing merchandise, you want to know who made it? Me. It sucked. Because this wasn't my, my giftedness, and it really just became like a banner that said Kingdom Church. But my heart, and this is like, you know, three, four, five years later as we make merch, is I want it to be something that is so well done, that looks so nice, that someone who would never go to church would say, hey, what are you wearing? And they would say, this is my Kingdom Church merch. And they say, what's Kingdom Church? He said, come check it out this Sunday. You can get a t-shirt too. Because how many guys know there are many avenues to get people to Jesus? But we have to submit our gifts to him. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in the history of the church, the church at one time was the epicenter for art. Like, if you guys go to, 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 to Rome and look at old cathedrals, y'all know Michelangelo, like, the church and art in history were not disconnected. Something happened, and I haven't done enough research to know where this divide began to happen, where it was like, well, we just have these spiritual things like the Bible and secular things like art. I don't know where the divide happened. It's not biblical, number one, and it certainly doesn't come from church history. But my thought and my belief is like, what if the church once again became the epicenter for creativity? where people could use all that is in them to build God's kingdom. We all have something. So what do I do with that something? Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. What do I do? I gotta fan it into flame. It's like, it might just be a really small ember. But an ember, when it's blown on, when it's, when, when, it's, when it's got stuff put on it, it can begin to grow. And I want you to understand the gift that was in you and that is in you will not grow on the sidelines. It only grows when we're in the game. So how do I, how do I make it grow? I'll get there in a second, but I do need to talk about spiritual gifts. Because 
Can we put the verse on for a second? Paul says, uh, again in verse six, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, if you're not a regular church person, you're like laying on of hands, like, does that mean like he fought him? Like what does that actually mean? To lay hands is, is simply just a way to say he, he prayed for him. Like he literally touched him, prayed for him. And as he did it, he imparted something in him. Now, one of the things that everyone has is natural gifts. One thing that believers specifically have are what are called spiritual gifts. And natural gifts and spiritual gifts differ in this. Spiritual gifts are given to us from the Holy Spirit to build his church. What's the simplest way to understand spiritual gifts? They are gifts from the Holy Spirit given to build his church. Romans 12 says this, verse six, this is Paul again. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, all of these gifts, and this is just a small portion. There's more spiritual gifts, and like there's, there's a difference between like charismatic gifts and just kind of more like uh, encouragement isn't that charismatic, I guess. So come to Growth Track today. We'll go a little bit deeper into it, but I want you to just give a basic understanding of spiritual gifts. They are gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit, and every single believer has access to them. And if you are saying to yourself, well, how do I get access to these gifts? Well, you need access to the Holy Spirit because the gifts don't come without the Spirit. I love the book of Acts because the disciples are rolling through and they're going to these groups of people and they're like, hey, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, <laughs> but I'll take some. And so I just want to encourage, maybe you're in this place today, like you've heard us talk about Holy Spirit before, like, you know, we say like, welcome him in, all of these things, but if you've never received the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, two things that you can do. Number one, ask. Just pray. Say, God, fill me with your spirit. I would just love to receive your spirit. But another thing is a little bit more bold. You can come and ask someone to pray for you. And you can be bold enough to say, you know what, I don't even know if I've ever received this Holy Spirit, but I would love, I would love some of that. I would love some of those gifts. Yeah. Like after church, I want to encourage you, like our prayer team or, or, or some people on the worship team or myself, like we would love to pray for you. Yeah. And just say like, hey, I don't, I don't know everything, but I want to know a little bit more. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, one of the things that he gives us is gifts in order to build his church. Now, after that prayer, will you all of a sudden be like, teacher, I'm an encourager. Like, it might happen. But in my experience, a gift is more found when we are on the field, when we're working towards something. And one of the things that we need to do as a church is support each other because we need people in our lives to help us see the things in ourselves that we can't see. We need someone to say, hey, I see a gift inside of you. You have the gift of encouragement. You have the gift of teaching. And one of the reasons I think that the Holy Spirit gets stifled in our lives is because we have no people that can confirm 
or affirm what God is doing inside of us. And so we come, we go through growth track, all of these things, and we're like, I don't know if I have anything. And so we need people to come alongside us and help us see what we can't see ourselves. I'll never forget the first time I preached. Uh, and this was, I don't know, the year, maybe 2013 or 12 or something like that, but um, I didn't see the game tape yet. It was recorded. But thankfully, before I ever watched myself, I had a conversation with my pastor who was at the church that I was preaching at. And one of the things that he said to me, he just said, you bless me today. And just like you have a gift. It's not easy to bless a pastor, but you blessed me. And I'll never forget that encouragement because what he was doing in that moment is he was imparting something within me to say, hey, I see a gift within you. And why that gift, was, that, gift that he gave me was so important is because when I watched myself afterwards, you want to know what went through my head? I was like, I suck. Like, this is horrible. And I think that's what happens so many times in church is we start serving or we go into places and we have no one to affirm us. And not all affirmation needs to be positive. Because some of y'all need affirmation to say that's not where you belong. Like, I think I have the gift of prophecy. Well, most of what you're saying isn't coming to fruition. So, like, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And so we need people to come around us to affirm us and to say, hey, I see something within you. And here's what is true with both natural gifts and spiritual gifts. And this is where we get confused. A lot of times we think, I need to work on my natural gifts. i got to get better. I need to put practice into it. And spiritual gifts, we think, it's only the Holy Spirit. I do nothing. Take my body. It's not like that. Paul is saying to Timothy, fan into flame. You might have a gift within you, but it's in its infancy stage. And we as a church need to have grace with people who are working out their gift. To say, it might not be perfect all the time, but I'm going to come alongside with you and fan it into flame. So, how do I get those people? in my life, that can walk alongside me, that can see things within me. In our church, we say this. We say, okay, go to growth track, number one. Go to growth track, get plugged in with our church, and join a team. Now, there was a time when we had like 20 people serving in our church. And one of the cool things about when 20 people were serving in our church, I had a pretty good pulse on everyone. I was like, I know exactly what's in you. I know exactly what you can do. Um, as of today, you can cheer in a second. We have 110 people serving at our church. Which is amazing. But the sad part for me is I can no longer see what's in every single person. I don't have the capacity to understand 110 people, let alone the rest of y'all that still aren't on the team yet. So we say join a team, join our team, Become a, a, a minister, not just a member. We don't do membership. Some of y'all are like, can I be a member here? We don't do membership. You want to join the team, though? Come on, somebody. You can join the team. So join our team. And then when you join our team, we'll put you into another team. And in that team, you're going to meet your team leader. And they're going to be able to see things inside of you as they meet with you, as they get to know you. But even then, the church just keeps growing. And so we need to get into what I think is the most important thing for discipleship, which is a small group. 
I think every single person in our church needs to join a small group. Now, we call them here Kingdom Crews. It's July, and the Kingdom Crews aren't really running right now. But in September, they're about to pop off like never before. And so I want to make an appeal right now. It's twofold. Number one, get into a group. But number two, it's start a group. And the group can be anything from like Bible studies to like we have people over at our house and we barbecue every single week. Whatever it is, you need to be in community because we can't do this alone. We just can't. Look what Proverbs 12 says. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You're always right. Did you know that? You're a fool, but you're always right. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. I need people around me, not just to grow in my gifts, but to grow in maturity. It's funny, Christy, we were talking about a situation and we were like, will this person make the right choice? That was our conversation. And I was like, I don't think so. Because they have no accountability in their life. And if you have no accountability, if you have no one above you, no one speaking into you, your way is always right. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise person seeks counsel. I won't ever see the full, fru- the, the full fruit of my life until I have people speaking into them. And so two action steps that I need you to start, and we're starting early here when it comes to groups. Start thinking, what am I going to do in the fall? Where am I going to plug in? Maybe it's my season to lead a group. Whatever it is, we need more groups. We need more people committed to saying, I'm going to help others grow. And then number two, if you haven't already joined our team, come through Growth Track. Get to know our culture. Get to know our DNA. Get to know what God's put inside of you. And I think that those two things can help unlock some gifts within us. So i got to keep going. So Paul continues. He says, verse 7, he says, For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So as the spirit leads, we move forward, not, with, not being timid, but with power, with love, and with self-discipline. So one of the things I want us to do right now is I want us to do a quick spirit check. Because ultimately, what this whole message is about growing is like, how do I know that the Holy Spirit's in my life? How do I know the Holy Spirit? How do I know Jesus is leading me? It's pretty simple. I have to check my spirit. Now, in biblical terms, we're led by two things. Either the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, or the flesh. Y'all know what the flesh is? The flesh is just yourself. It's me without accountability. It's my emotions. It's like I wake up and I do what I want. All of us are led by the spirit or the flesh. What Paul is saying is that when we're led by the spirit, here's the fruit of your life. Power, love, self-discipline. When you're governed by the flesh, you're timid. And so, legacy, ultimately, what do I want to pass down? I want to pass down a living faith. My faith is living when I'm living in my giftedness, when my family sees me serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, mind, soul. 
What we said last week was this. Everything God designs, the devil wants to destroy. God wants to give us a spirit of power, love, self-discipline. The devil wants to give us the opposite. And so what happens many times is that we live not in the spirit but the flesh. Now, no one is perfect in this place. And if you are, come talk to me after. I'd love to meet you. So, no one is always governed by the spirit. You guys understand that? Like, all of us have times where the flesh just comes in. And so, the issue isn't when the flesh comes into our life every once in a while. The issue is when we are governed by the flesh, meaning the flesh is leading my life. And so, we, what I want to do just really briefly is I want to just outline what it looks like to be following the spirit versus the flesh. Because then we can figure out, like, where am I on the spectrum, uh, and am I going in the direction God wants me to go? So... Again, Paul says, the spirit does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the spirit, I have power, I have love, I have self-discipline. If those words resonate with you, maybe you're in the spirit. Now, let's contrast that with the flesh. So, number one, if I'm living in the flesh, I'm going to be living in, in po- oh my gosh. There we go, Jake, impotence. I worked all week on this word. Because in my mind, I want to say impotent. Because I think it sounds better. But I think it's actually impotent. So, you might be saying to yourself, well, Harrison, why didn't you make it easier on yourself and just say powerless? But I I wanted to use this word impotence because I think it has a really deep meaning. Because to be impotent is this. It means I'm doing something, but I'm not seeing results. When I'm governed by the Spirit, when I'm working in the Spirit, there will be a power attached to it. When I'm working in the flesh, as hard as I'm working, I will never see the full results. And one of the things that I think kills calling is insecurity. Insecurity makes us impotent. Because what happens so often is we see others' gifts, we see others' abilities, we see other people's lives, And instead of living our lives in the spirit, we just so desperately want to be someone else. And I promise you that is one of the quickest ways to kill calling. And although you might be doing stuff, you will never see the power that God wants in your life. But the beauty of the spirit is this. If it's true, if the power of the Holy Spirit is true, my life will have a great power attached to it. And I should see tangible fruits. It's funny, the interns were making fun of me this week like they often do, these Gen Z punks. Um, (laughs) Just joking. One of the things that they said um, was that I often uh, quote Ephesians 3.20, which I didn't think I quoted that often, but maybe I do. And so I figured the best way to stuff it down their throats (laughs) was to quote Ephesians 3.20 this week. Can I read it to you? It's one of my favorite verses. Maybe I say it too much, maybe not enough. We'll see. It says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. This verse is a declaration that when the Holy Spirit is in my life, man, I can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever think, dream, or even imagine. And so, if my life 
doesn't in some way reflect this Ephesians 3.20 promise, maybe I'm not working in the power that God wants me to experience. So this is just a check, right? How do I know if my life is lived in power? I would say it like this. Just look behind you. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you're walking forward and you see your life day to day, who's following you? What's the fruit of your life? When I look behind me, is there any tangible fruit that I am living a life of power? One of the things, man, how many of you guys know my wife, Christy? She's like a woman of God, and all our kids are wilding right now, and kids, and she's just in there. And one of the things about Christy is that she is a woman of power. And one of the ways I know this is she's raising our four kids as best as I think humanly possible. Well, at the same time, everywhere she goes, there are still people trying to follow her, trying to lean into her, trying to understand, like, what does it look like to be you? I I don't know if that's what they're thinking, but. (laughs) But a life governed by the Spirit, there's always going to be people that I'm influencing. And one of the things the devil wants to do is to discourage, is try to knock you down try to get you out of church, try to get you off mission. One of the things I always tell people is that influence never ends. I would almost say it like this, influence isn't fair. There are some people in this room that you will do everything in your power and you won't be as influential as that one person. I think it's a gift from God. But when I say influence doesn't end, what I mean is this, is that your life will influence people for the good or the bad, just because you're so influential. And so what the devil tries to do is to discourage, to knock us off, and ultimately to make us impotent. So, number two, in the spirit, I have love. In the flesh, selfishness. Am I governed by love or by selfishness? Now, a lot of us, we think the opposite of love is hate. I think that's wrong. I think the opposite of love is always selfishness. And I think that hate is just a byproduct of selfishness. But ultimately, what selfishness is and why I think it is the antithesis to love is that love always makes us look outwards. The flesh wants to turn us inwards. I said something. I'm going to say it again. I know people didn't like it when I said it last time, so I'll clarify a little bit more. And it's my opinion. This isn't biblical. Um, I don't believe self-love is a real thing. I know it's the buzzword. I know everyone's into it. I don't think it's real. Now, let me clarify. Do I think self-care is important? Absolutely. Do I think that we should think highly of ourselves? Absolutely. You're a child of God made in his image. Do I think you should have high self-esteem? 100%. Do I think you can love yourself? Not quite. Here's my thought, and we can debate later. I think that love at its very core is always turned outwards. And so I think that it's, a, it's, a, it's an uphill run to think that something designed to be outward can somehow be turned inward and give me what I'm looking for. Love ultimately is best understood through service. And try as you may, you can't really serve yourself. We can talk later. My whole point is this. When, my, when I look at my life, who's number one? One of the things we talked about last week, we said generational thinking is to say, how do my decisions affect my kids and their kids and their kids? That's generational thinking. We said most people think temporarily. 
which is how does what I do affect me? Ultimately, that's rooted in selfishness. How, am what I, how is what I am doing today going to affect me? And so what happens is that love, instead of being outward, is turned inward. And I think what happens is we begin to build our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. We begin to use our gifts for our purposes, for our gains. And as much as we think, like, I'm building something special, I want to encourage you and really just promise you that there is nothing you can build that is better than what God wants to build through your life. So try as you may to build your empire, your kingdom, your following, whatever it may be. It is nothing compared to what God can build. Because he's the God of Ephesians 3.20 that wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more. So number three, in the spirit, self-discipline. What's the opposite of self-discipline? I say disorder. I could say disarray. At the very end of the day, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control, but it's also self-discipline. Meaning a life that is governed by the spirit will be a life that is ordered. A life that is governed by the flesh is a life that is disordered. And one of the key markers that I'm living in the wrong sphere is how my life is ordered. Where are my priorities? At the very end of the day, I think, because I know there are people in this room that you're, you're called. And like you know that there's nothing that's going to get you off of your calling. Like I'm following Jesus to the day that I die. I want to encourage you, the battle for you will always be this one of self-control. Because what the devil will try to do, because he can't get you off mission, he'll try to distract you, to disorder your life, to get you doing things that aren't as important as you think they are. We have disorders. We have social media disorders, right, where we just spend way too much time. I think we have this disorder where we look at other people's lives for way too long. Some of us are stuck in debt. Debt many times is a disorder because I haven't ordered my finances properly. Whatever it is, these are all signs, because ultimately, like Harrison, what are we talking about here? We're talking about this. Am I following the spirit or am I following the flesh? And ultimately, gifts are important. Natural gifts and spiritual gifts are so important. And I want us to all experience them. But if our lives are governed by the flesh, even though the gift is in us, we'll never experience the full potential of it. And that's why I think Paul is saying, hey, fan into flame the gift that's in you and understand the spirit and how he works through you. It's with power, with love, and self-control. And so he finishes verse 8. He says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, this kind of seems like a switch. Verse 7, it's like, hurrah, you guys didn't really cheer, but you, you should have. Like, power, love, discipline. Like, that's amazing. I want that spirit. And then it's like, well, what does that spirit produce? Paul's like, suffering. <laughs> Sweet. But let me tell you why. Because when you begin to follow Jesus fully, wholly, and truly, there's no middle ground in your life anymore. There's no more room in the middle. When I follow Jesus, one of two things happens. People are either attracted to me 
or they're absolutely repelled by me. But in the spirit, we don't leave room for the middle ground. And so what happens is we can look behind us, right? And that's, that's sweet to think of a life of legacy and people that I'm impacting. But I also must encourage you this. As you begin to follow Jesus fully and wholeheartedly, it's not always going to be easy. Not everyone's going to get it. Not everyone's going to know why you're living this way, why you're not doing the things that you once did, why you're spending your money the way that you do, why you're spending your Sundays the way. Not everyone's going to get it. And that's okay. And so Paul has his invitation. He says, don't be ashamed of me in prisoner, as a prisoner, or Jesus who was crucified. He says, rather join me in the suffering of the gospel, which is the power of God. And so ultimately, what am I saying? I'm inviting us on a journey right now to say, let's begin to to, to build something. Let's use the gifts that God has put inside of us to see all that he wants to do. And I wanna encourage someone in the journey, it's not always gonna be perfect. It's not always gonna be easy. Not everyone's gonna get it, but I need to count the cost. And I wanna tell you, it's worth it every single time. Every single time to see people come to Jesus, it's worth it. To see lives changed and transformed, it's worth it. To see generations blessed by you, it's worth it. That's what we're building but we have to fan the flame. We have to fan the flame. We have to get into the game. We have to get into groups and we have to get into accountability so we can have people to say, hey, you're on the right path or maybe you're on the wrong path, but I'm here to walk beside you. So let's just, let's just stand for a second church as we close. As I said, We're going to have the MC time in a second. And so after that, you know, the prayer team is going to be around. Our leaders are going to be around. And if if you would love for someone to pray for you, I would would encourage you to take that step. But right now in this moment, if you're just in this place and you're just saying to yourself, you know what, like, I just want to make a direction shift. Like, I went through that list. And, man, I feel like I've been living in selfishness. I've been living um, without the power of God, without discipline. Uh, I just want to make a commitment today to say, I'm going to change some things around. Can we just, every, every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. If there's someone that wants to start that journey today, could you show me your hand? I would love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you see every hand and you know our hearts. God, you know those of us who have got off track, those of us who maybe at one time we were in the game, but we've shifted to the sidelines for those of us that have something within us, but maybe we can't see it and we've just put other things first. Whatever it may be, Lord, I just pray right now uh, for your Holy Spirit just to come close to us, just to, to speak to our hearts and to let us know what is the action step that we need to take. If it's filling out a connect card, Lord, may we have the courage to do that. If it's getting prayed for, may we have the courage to do that. If it's beginning to just make that declaration in my spirit, I'm gonna start a group this fall or I'm gonna join a group this fall. Lord, whatever that action step is, I just pray that we can do that so we can begin to leave something behind in our lives, a living faith, an active faith. And so we just pray this all in your mighty and holy name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Thanks for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information or made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.